All right, we're beginning a new series uh, today called Well Played. You know when someone makes a good uh, play in a sport or they make a really cool chess move or they make a really good argument in a debate uh, or a really good pickup line, like, is it hot in here or is it just you, babe? You know, like, well played, right? So that's, that's well played. We're beginning a series called Well Played. And what the question I want to ask us is, what does a life well played look like? What does your life well played look like? We all have one life to live, and I don't know about you, but when I, when I go to be with the Lord, I want to hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, you know? I want to hear that from the Lord. I want to um, fulfill everything the Lord has called me to do on this earth. And I want you to as well, as a, as a pastor of this church, I want you to fulfill everything that God has put in front of you to do. So the question, this uh, part one of this message, um, part message is called, what is greatness? And today I want to talk to you about, about greatness. What is greatness? What does it mean to be great? And I just want to say that there's a, there's a cry in every human heart for greatness. It's, it's, it's part of your DNA. It's part of who you are. There's DNA. It's part of who you are to be, to be great. Okay. And you cannot, and you should not repent from this natural desire for greatness. Okay. We were created for it. Because you're created for it, you cannot and should not repent for it. Okay. And like everything, God created many things, but humans are uniquely qualified for greatness. Let me tell you, let me give you some reasons why. Um, prior to God creating humans, he created a lot of things. But in Genesis 1.26, we'll go ahead and put that up here. He did, God did something new, something that he'd never done before. He created a lot of things, and he said, you know, bird, that's going to be a cow, that's going to be a star, that's going to be a tree, that's going to be planet, you know, all these things. In Genesis 1.26, he did something different. He said he literally used himself as the pattern to make you and me and humanity. He used himself as the pattern. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, etc." He used himself as the pattern. The word, the word there um, for image, um, let us make mankind our image, it literally means a representative figure. Okay, you were, you were created and fashioned from God to be a representative figure here on earth. Okay, or to re-represent him to this earth, okay? Uh, how many know that's a picture of greatness? To re-represent God to this world, to be his hands and feet on this world, that's a picture of greatness for your life and for my life. So we were created to bring order to chaos. We were created to bring peace where there is no peace. We were created to bring healing where there is no healing. We were created to, um, to bring provision where there's no provision. Amen? And so we have delegated authority from God to re-represent him to this world. I'll give you a simple definition of what I think greatness is. Simply put, it is to impact this world for God. That is a definition, of, I think, of greatness. To, and for you to impact this world for him. That is a definition of greatness, I believe. Here's the, here's the problem, though. We know that whether people know God, have a relationship with him or not, they were still created for greatness as well. Okay? They have a God-given desire as well to be great, whether they know God or not. So this is what happens. Many times our definition of greatness is not the same as God's definition of greatness. Right? And this, is a, this, is, this can be true for Christians. How many know that sometimes our definition of what's great and what I want to go after in life can be different than what God's definition of greatness for my life is? 
this is going to be true of us. This is especially true of people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, the Tower of uh, Babel, Genesis 11, 1 through 6. It says this, Now the whole world had one language uh, and a common speech. As the people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's uh, make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Um, they used brick instead of stone, tar for mortar. Uh, mortar. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we make, may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered all over the face of the earth. But the Lord uh, came down to see, um, to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand one another. Okay? These people, they, they didn't have a relationship with the Lord. They didn't know the Lord. They weren't serving him. And their inclination of the heart is, hey, we don't want to be scattered all over the face of the earth. We want to be great. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's build this, this, this big city and this big tower and make a name for ourselves, okay? Now, I want to propose to you that God's not against big cities or tall buildings. That wasn't the problem, right? He's not against tall buildings. He's not against big buildings. He was, what he was against was them making a name for themselves. Why? Because they weren't created to make a name for themselves. They were created to make a name for him. They were created to re-represent him. Amen? Okay. So their definition of, of great was differing from God's de uh, definition of great. Okay. Let me give you some other examples. This is not very hard to do this. But throughout history, obviously, Men and women and people who don't know the Lord, their definition of what is great, they want to be remembered for, is, is vastly different than what God's definition is. Um, listen, Hitler was trying to make a name for himself and for the country of Germany, right? Stalin was trying to make a name for himself. Neither one of these people went down in history with a good record. <clears throat> listen, 19 hijackers on 9-11 were trying to make a name for themselves Right? But it was a twisted and a perverted version of making a name for yourselves, okay? Um, Adam and Eve, back in the garden, after, after Satan had sown insecurity into them, saying, hey, if you eat of this tree, you will be like God. God doesn't want you to eat it because he knows if you eat of this tree, um, you'll be like him. And here's the problem. They were already like God. But Satan had sown this lie, this insecurity. The first, the first um, line of insecurity, he, he asked a question, and then he spoke a lie. It was the second thing he spoke to them. And so Adam and Eve, because the need to be great, the need to, for greatness in them, said, hey, I'm lacking. Oh my gosh, I, I want to be like God. I, I want to know the good from evil. So they ate of this tree, and of course, that's where sin entered into the world. And even if you go back to before that, before Satan was Satan, he was called Lucifer, which means light bearer. And he was in heaven. He wanted to exalt himself and lift himself up above God, right? And that's why he was cast, cast down to this earth as Satan, the need and the drive and the desire for greatness is there, but if it's not tapered with the presence of God and the Holy Spirit and the will of God, we can get totally off base. And I say this right now at the onset of the new year because many times this is kind of a goal-setting time. I like goals. I might preach on goals in a few weeks. We'll see. <clears throat> it's a good time for us to kind of evaluate and take inventory of like, what are the things I'm chasing? Do they really bring glory to God? Is it making a name for me? Is it making a name for him? Amen. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about in this series. So we're called to greatness, but how do we align with God's definition of greatness? If you have your Bibles, grab them and uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is kind of where we're going to hang out for a few minutes. 
First Corinthians three. We'll uh, we'll start at verse one. We're going to be honing in on verse uh, verses ten through fifteen, but we'll we'll start at verse one just so we get a little bit of context. <clears throat> Paul in this uh, this portion of scripture he uses two metaphors um, to describe building God's kingdom and being rewarded for it. And by the way, <clears throat> to a life well played is a life. I'll just say this at the onset. A life well played is a life that receives an eternal reward. There are rewards here and now for following Jesus. You know, the way of the transgressor is hard. So there's rewards here and now for serving God, but there are also eternal rewards for serving God and his kingdom, okay? And Paul uses these two metaphors describing building God's kingdom, which by the way, every one of you is called to do. It's not just you know, us in full-time ministry, whatever. We're all called to build God's kingdom. We're all called to contribute to um, advancing his kingdom. So the two metaphors he uses is a farmer in a field, sowing, sowing seeds in a field. And the second metaphor he'll use is a building, building, a building, okay? So First uh, Corinthians chapter three, we're gonna read one through three first. <clears throat> it says this. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still wordly, Worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready for it. You are still worldly. worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you acting like mere humans? Okay, just pause right there. I've said this before, but it's possible, according to what Paul just said here, to be a believer, to be a Christian, and to still be an infant in Christ, right? We have to grow up in him. We have to grow up in Christ. One of the indicators that you're still uh, immature, working, and we're all growing, of course. One of the indicators that you're still immature is if there's jealousy in operation in your life, okay? If there's jealousy there, God wants to work it out. Or quarreling. Now, it's, it's natural, of course, for us to have um, conflict. Conflict is life. Like, that happens. That's not, like, evil. Don't be afraid of conflict. Be afraid of open strife. Not afraid, but be aware of open strife. Open strife is really what we want. And that's a, that's a mark of immaturity. You know, just there's some people, just drama follows them. Like you were a drama queen, you know, it follows you everywhere you go. Okay, that is a indicator of an immature person. Okay, but then Paul gives an example here of an immature argument that the Corinthian church was having. Okay, uh, verse four, it says, for when one says, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Apollos, Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Okay, so they're, they're kind of arguing over who they follow versus, you know, this is my guy, he's, he's discipling me, I follow this guy, this guy led me to the Lord. And they're kind of arguing over like, who's following who and who's better than who and who's more spiritual than who because of who they're following, okay? This would be a little bit like someone saying like, well, I go to City Lights Church. Well, I go to Journey Church. Well, I go to vintage city, or I go to a fusion, I go to, you know, Christ Community Church, and arguing over, like, well, if you were at my church, you would be more spiritual, right? <laughs> right? That's a bit what that would be like, you know? My assumption is that people, this should be the assumption, that people are at a church because God has called them to that church, right? And if they're at that church, God has planted them there, and that doesn't make them more or less spiritual, and, and many, you know, many times people make a, a church decision based upon, like, you know, the best preaching, the best worship, the best children or whatever. But then when sister so-and-so offends you, it's like, well, that church offended me. Now I'm leaving another church. Listen, go to the church. I hope it's this one that God's planted you at, right? And stay at that church that God's planted you at until he releases you from that church 
And that way when sister so-and-so offends you, you won't leave, okay? But he gives an example here. This is an immature, unspiritual argument they're having. Uh, I'm more spiritual than you because I go to this church. I follow this guy. I follow that guy. Okay. So jump down to um, uh, verse 5. After all, I love the Bible. I was reading this. I was like, I love the Bible. It's so good. It just answers a lot of questions. 1 Corinthians 5 uh, through uh, 3, 5 through 9. After all, what is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Apollo watered it. But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Verse 8. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are all co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Okay? He kind of sums up verse um, nine here. He's your God's field. He's kind of summed up what he talked about, and then he introduces God's building, and he's going to introduce what he's about to talk about. But I love that he introduces this idea of reward. Okay, there is eternal rewards for the things we do here on earth. The Bible's actually really clear about this. Now, listen, getting into heaven, being saved, having your sins forgiven, that's that's uh, that's a gift. Like the gift of salvation. It's the gift of righteousness, right? When we place our faith and trust in Jesus. We don't earn or deserve that. But then Jesus, and, and all throughout the Bible, it talks about there are heavenly rewards. I'm highly interested in this topic. I want it, because I, I want to hear, well done, that good and faithful servant, and I want to have rewards. I want you guys to have rewards. I want you to fulfill your calling. And I am certain, I, this has just been my observation over the years. We have some amazing people in this church. I am positive there are lots of people in our church who have a lot more rewards than I will in heaven. Like just the conduct and character of some of the people that I observe here. You guys are amazing. You're better than me. So um, verse nine. Okay. So he introduces this, this, um, this idea. I'm going to read verses nine through 15 and then we'll, then we'll break it down. Okay. Verse nine. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Verse 10, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one uh, already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will t- test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though as only as one escaping through the flames. Okay, so the question we're asking here, how to live, how to build a life of greatness? How to live a life well played? I'm going to give you three points. We're going to go back through this. Verse 10, he says this, By the grace God given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. Point number one I want to make today, how to, bu- how to build a life of greatness, is build according to the grace that God has given you. Okay, it says that right here in verse 10. He says, by the grace God given me, I laid a foundation as a wise, as a wise builder. Okay, according to the grace, the measure of divine influence on my heart that I have, I laid this foundation as a wise builder. Okay, and I just want to say of you, there's a, there's a grace and a divine ability that God has given you. There's a grace and a divine ability God has given me, right? And you're not accountable to fulfill my calling, and I'm not accountable to f- fulfill your calling. 
I'm not accountable to do the things that God's called you to do. You're not accountable to do things God's called me to do or the person sitting next to you, okay? God's not going to make you answer for the things he's, he's called me to do because he's given you grace and ability to do the things he's called you to do, okay? Even if, now this is important because if the person sitting next to you, maybe their calling is a little more flashy or a little more public, right? Sometimes we, wanna, sometimes we want to compete to be the one that looks the best, right? Okay, so remember back in verse um, uh, five, Paul says, as the Lord has assigned to each his own task. So there's a specific calling, gifting, purpose, and task that the Lord has given you in this life. Build your life according to the grace he's given you. I, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's, it can be a little bit hard to describe, but you know when you're in your, your vein, right? You know you're in, you're in your lane. That's the, that's the right word. Like, have you ever kind of gotten out of the grace God's given you? You're trying to do something. You're trying to make something happen that there's no grace for. Like, that's difficult. I think it's really important to understand, like, okay, this is my lane. This is where he's gifted me. This is where my sweet spot is. This is where the anointing is, you know? That's what you want to find, and that's what you want to stay in, Okay. There's a race marked out for each of us. At this present time, our races are kind of overlapping, but there's a race marked out for each of us in this life because we all have a specific calling. Don't run someone else's race, okay? So point one, build according to the grace God has specifically given to you, okay? If you don't know what that is, seek him, ask him, get prayer. Find out what the grace on your life is, all right? That's point number one. Point number two, how to build a life of greatness, Build your life, this is such good advice, build your life to make Jesus' name great. Build your life to make Jesus' name great, okay? I gave a lot of examples earlier of people who were building um, their life to make themselves great, make their name great, make a name for themselves. But I just want to say, if you live in this way, if you live in a way to make Jesus' name great, I promise you that's a very good starting point for you, to have a reward in eternity, Amen? Like, I want Jesus' name famous. I want to make Jesus' name famous in this city, in this world, okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.11, Paul says, no one can lay any foundation other than one which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. He didn't say no one would try. He said no one actually, in other words, hear this, there's no other foundation that you can build on that will reap an eternal reward. That foundation is Jesus. You can be over here building another foundation but I promise you that will not reap an eternal reward. You have to build on the foundation which is already laid, the only one, which is Jesus. Amen? Philippians uh, 2.9 says that Jesus, it is the name above all other names. You cannot go wrong. You cannot overexalt Jesus. You cannot overpraise him. You cannot overexalt him. You cannot outgive him. Like that name is amazing. If we actually, I think if we understood the splendor and the majesty of that name, Man, if we could get a revelation of Jesus, like if we just had more revelation of Jesus, we would, we would be more awestruck. We would, live, we would live more sold out to him than ever before. Amen? He's amazing. Jesus is amazing, okay? Build on that foundation. If you build on that foundation, you will have something that lasts, not just now, but forever. Amen? Okay, that's point number two. Point number three, <clears throat> how to build a life of greatness. Build on things that matter in eternity. Okay, we're gonna pick up in verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved even though as one only escaping through the flames. Okay, 
The word day here um, speaks of a time when Christ will judge the merits of his servant's work, okay? And they will receive um, a reward based upon that. It's, so this is not whether you receive forgiveness of sin. That's like, he's not judging that. He's not, he's not judging whether you receive forgiveness of sin, but he will judge our works on this earth to reward us, to give reward or to not give reward. I don't really know what that looks like. Like the different, like, you know, someone's mansion gonna be bigger in heaven. I don't know. All I know is he's a really good and wise steward of helping, of making sure that we, Jesus said a cup of cold water will not go unnoticed in his name. Like you can give a cup of cold water, it will not go unnoticed in his name. I think every temptation you face, that when you make the right decision, I don't think that goes unnoticed. I think everything done in secret doesn't go unnoticed. Amen? He sees all that. And he, so listen, when you're alone, not just when you're out in public where people can see you, when you're alone, he sees your heart, he sees what you're going through, he sees the temptations you even resist against. And I think there's a reward even for those things. Amen? So just, that's good. But, um, and likewise, fire here does not refer to hell, but an evaluation of our works. This is a metaphor he's using. He's not talking about hell, but an evaluation of our works. Even the motives of our heart, like our motives are important. I might preach um, more on that in a couple of weeks, but the motives of our heart, why we're doing what we're doing, actually matters to God. Not just what we're doing, why we're doing it. Like that's important to him. But Paul has six building materials here. He says gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, and straw, Okay. Paul says our work would be tested with fire. Again, it's a metaphor, but we want to build in such a way that we, we would receive reward. Now, three of these, I don't know if you know much about fire, <laughs> but gold, silver, and costly stones don't burn, right? Wood, hay, and straw, those things will burn. So three of these building materials are eternal. Three of them are not eternal. I'm not going to go through them because Paul doesn't really do that either and break them down and say what each of them are. But I will ask this question. How many here have ever built a house? A few of you? Yeah. Built a house or helped build a house. Let me ask you a question. Was that hard work? Yeah, it's hard work, right? And you, but you probably use wood because wood is cheaper than, than stones. And I just want to say this. According to this verse, even hard work or even doing things that are good can be wood, hay, and stubble. Just because it requires a lot of effort. See, this is the thing about religion. Religion likes to be busy. Religion likes, actually likes activity. Now, that's, that's very confusing because being spiritual and being led by the Holy Spirit, that can look busy too, right? That can be, we're busy, we're serving, we're living our lives. But it's really important that we're building the right things. We're building with the right motives. We're building with the right heart. Amen? So even just because it's hard work doesn't mean that it's an eternal thing. That's why I say, that's why I was making the point so much. You have to fall into the grace God has given you and serve in that capacity, okay? Jesus said this, Matthew um, 6, 19 through 20. He says, do not store up treasures for, um, on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where the thieves do not break in and steal, okay? Okay. Um, Again, Paul doesn't specifically talk about here in 1, in 1 Corinthians. He doesn't specifically say, well, this is wood, um, you know, straw, um, gold, precious stones, silver. But I want to take the rest of this series, and I actually want to hone in on what does it look like? What does a life well played look like? When we get to the end of our lives, I want to hear, well done, that good and faithful servant. I want to just talk about what are the things that we want 
What is the gold? What is the silver? What is the precious stones? What are the things we want to build our life upon? And that's not saying you can't enjoy things, right? You can't have hobbies. That's not, you know. Now, if that's your God, that's different, right? I think God doesn't mind us having things. I think he minds things having us, right? I don't think he minds us having money. I think he minds money having, being our Lord, being everything to us, right? I don't think he minds Ben racing on his bike. I don't think he minds me hiking and running in the mountains or playing Xbox every once in a while now, you know? As long as it doesn't become my Lord, right? <laughs> okay. But I want to talk about this and, 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 and over the next few weeks to talk about specifically how do we build a life that's well played? How do we build, what is greatness? What does it look like for us, for you and me to live a life of greatness, okay? We'll recap with the three points I made today and then I'll, I'll pray and close. How do we live a, uh, build a life of greatness? Number one, build according to the grace God has given you. Number two, build your life to make Jesus' name great. Number three, build things that matter in eternity. Amen? All right. Why don't you guys stand to your feet? I'll pray, and then I'll have Emily give those ministry points for the close of service. So, Father, we thank you that this is, like, a really big deal. And, Lord, we love you. We think you're, you're such a kind, um, such a merciful Father, Lord. I thank you, God. It's, it's not just um, our burden, Lord God, to live this life for you, God. It's our privilege, God, to live for you. It's our privilege, God, to live out the calling, God, that you have for us, Lord God. Just like it's, it's the privilege of the flower to open up in the sun. It's the privilege of the tree to stretch its arms out, God. It's our privilege and our dignity, Lord God, to be your representatives, God, to re-represent your name here on this earth, Lord God. And I just pray we wouldn't see this as a burdensome thing, God. We would see this as a high calling of our lives, Lord God. And the most fulfilling thing, God, we could ever do is live for your name, live to make the name of Jesus famous and to glorify your name, Lord. So I just bless everyone here, Lord God. I pray that we would take inventory, Lord God, of the things that we're investing in, the things that we're, the goals that we're making, the things that we're doing this next year, Lord God. And I pray that you would just speak to every heart, Lord God. Give vision, direction, and strategy, Lord God, over every person. We love you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.